0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Do not let me take for granted. While somebody in some foreign land is clamoring in front of an idol of wood and stone. Just wishing they could hear a voice. Feel an unction. I stand in the presence of the Lord today. Without restraint. With abandon. Feeling Him. Hearing Him. Hallelujah. Minister in this place. What a wonderful God. Hallelujah. What a wonderful God. If you'll turn to the book of Exodus chapter 14 today. Book of Exodus chapter 14. I am aware of the time. I'll be mindful of that. God, I love him. Hallelujah, I feel him. I'm telling you this morning that if you are feeling what I am feeling, I implore you today, do not ignore it. Do not shrug it off. Do not cast it aside as though it is nothing. If you're feeling the pulling of god upon your soul upon your heart upon your spirit please do not deny that here today please do not deny that here today The Bible says Exodus 14 in verse 10 this is a well trodden passage of scripture this chapter in particular encompasses the story of the crossing of the Red Sea the nation of Israel the Egyptians being drowned in the same sea some of you have been acquainted with with this story from a child to adulthood these particular verses though I wish to read in your hearing starting with verse 10 and the Bible says and when Pharaoh drew nigh the children of Israel lifted up their eyes behold the Egyptians marched after them they were sore afraid the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord and they said unto Moses because there were no graves in Egypt hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt saying Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Their statement is for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. This morning, just for a little while, I tried to keep my word. For a little while this morning, I want to preach this. My title is, in essence, a response to their statement. Either way, you die Either way you die And so the concept is this Living or dying is not the issue here Living or dying is not the issue here Hallelujah Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, I come to you this morning. I am overwhelmed today, God. I am overwhelmed, God, by your spirit. I am behooved, oh, Lord God, by your presence. God, I thank you, Jesus, today. God, I cannot say thank you enough. God, for letting us experience and feel what we are experiencing and feeling, God, right? Oh, Jesus. God, I need your help this morning. God, to speak, Lord Jesus, this little word, God, that you have up on my heart today. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be mindful, Lord, of that presence we have felt through the duration of this service. God, and I'll give you the glory and the honor, Lord, for what you do and for what you accomplish in this place. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen, and the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Either way, you die. Either way. The children of Israel in the Old Testament served in many ways as a model. A model for how God would interact, favor, have confidence in, and at the same time disappointment in his church in the New Testament. They were in many ways... A model being a nation that God loved and adored cared for brought out of bondage into a place that was desirous of promise for them being a shadow, if you will, of a new Testament church, the Bible speaks that God even claims this nation, Israel, that he says that he bore being a treasured nation. In his eyes, many of us are acquainted with and aware of their 400, 400 to 30 years of captivity in Egypt. And it was, although we sometimes would maybe not want to admit to it, it was the will of God for them to go into Egypt. Whenever Jacob and his sons found themselves impoverished during a time of famine that not only affected Egypt but all the surrounding, surrounding areas. Jacob had asked of his sons to go to Egypt, find provision for them, and they did on more than one occasion. Jacob, of course, or Joseph, rather, of course, at that time, being the second in command over Egypt, having rule and reign of all the granary of Egypt, It was by his plan that God deposited in his mind that Egypt was going to be successful. And as a result, all the other areas that would bend ear would be successful as well in surviving the famine of that time. And as a result of it, men from various nations were coming to Egypt, believing Egypt to be their answer at that time. They would come with money in their hands and their bags for exchange of food. There was food lacking all across the different nations. Not just lacking, but also the inability to produce a crop to secure food was lacking. And so they would come with their money. They would exchange it with Joseph many, many times for the purpose of getting food and provision in exchange. But whenever the money ran out, they had to go to other options. They had to start liquidating, if you will, other things in order to have provision for their life. And so they would enter there with with their land, the acreage that they had, whatever it was that they owned concerning land mass. And they would present that before uh, the Egyptian uh, rulers as it would be. And could you give us some food and some provision in exchange for our land? And so the exchange would happen. And so Egypt is becoming a very large power because not only are they getting the riches of the nations around them in exchange for food, They are also getting land mass, and they are growing, if you will. Uh, They are extending their boundaries because they're getting lands in exchange for food. But once everybody has already given up their land, we're at another dilemma and juncture in the road. People had to start coming, didn't have any more money that they could exchange uh, for food, didn't have any more land that they could exchange for food, and the straw that kind of broke the camel's back was now they would have to give themselves they have to give their lives, the lives of their sons and their daughters, the lives of their wives, and they would enter then before the palace of Egypt. I've already given you all the money that I have in exchange for life, quote, unquote. I've already given you all the land that I have. The only thing that I can give you now is my life. Give you my life. And so men and women would stand before the powers that would be in exchange for food, the answer for their dilemma as it would seem. They would exchange their life. Exchange their life, life of their kids, the life of their wives, for the purpose of just having some food to live on and live by. It was the will of God for Jacob and his family to go down into Egypt. The Bible even speaks that whenever the proposal was made unto Jacob about going to Egypt, that God spoke to him and said, Fear not, fear not, Jacob, go down into Egypt, for there I will make you a great nation. And so we know without doubt that it was the will of God. But remember, God would use the nation of Israel as a model. A model for his church. A model for his people. And so now we have a group of 70 souls that goes down into Egypt, as it were, uh, dependent in many ways upon Egypt. And it seems like Egypt is serving a very good and notable purpose for them in their life. And they have sowed themselves, if you will, unto Egypt. They have sowed everything they've had to become uh, servants in many regards of Egypt. I don't think maybe we put too much emphasis on this. We many times look that they became slaves or servants of Egypt after Joseph died, but they were slaves and servants of Egypt before Joseph ever died. They had showed themselves, their homes, their houses, their lands. They were servants of Egypt at that very moment. But it was at that moment that Egypt seemed very favorable to be a servant of. Egypt seemed very favorable to be a servant of. But after Joseph would pass over the scene, and i got to hurry already. I'm just down too long after Joseph would, would, would pass over the scene. The Bible says there would be another king or another Pharaoh that would arise that knew not Joseph. And it's there that we see some hard rigor and hard work and hard trial that comes upon this nation of Israel that have made themselves servants unto Israel. Egypt a dynamic had changed in the relationship with Egypt where at once it looked very appealing to be under Egypt at once it looked very notable and for their good fortune and in their favor to be a servant to Egypt a dynamic had happened there had been a turn there had been an event that changed the dynamics of all of that and now now there's a king that doesn't know uh, uh, the legacy of their heritage that has helped Egypt out and now they are under the hard thumb of Egypt And now it's not as appealing as it used to be. It's not appealing as it once was. It's not as favorable to them as it once was. Again, Egypt, amen, being there, and Israel being a model, if you will, of the present-day church. He had to have Israel go into Egypt because as people and society and humanity, every single one of us are born a slave to sin. We are born a slave to a power. And when we first start this journey and this life, we believe that it is an appealing thing to be a servant to the world. That it's an appealing thing to be a servant, if you will, to sin. It's fun. Uh, it, it, it has all of its perks. There's a lot of things that are very glittering and ideal for someone to be a servant to sin. But I guarantee you that people will have, a, hopefully, somewhere along that relationship with sin, somewhere along in that relationship with the world, there will come a moment that once, once used to be appealing. Doesn't have the same flair that it once had. What what once used to be favorable is, is not so much as favorable as it once was. And so the cry of the children of Israel was for deliverance. And God sent his deliverer by Moses and deliverance by Moses. And the Bible tells us that they would come up out of Egypt with a high hand. And they were on their way now on a journey to a land that flowed with milk and honey. A promise that had been given to their forefathers, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, a land that they would dwell and be in. And so now they are marching. They are on their journey. They've been released, if you will, from Egypt. They're not making bricks without straw right now. The the whips is not being laid to their back. It's not by the sweat of their brow that the bread is coming to their mouth. Amen. So much so. But they are in the wilderness. God is providing provision. And they come upon their first stumbling block, if you will, in the wilderness. And they approach the Red Sea. And they are overwhelmed. Because they start looking all around them. And on, on the right hand. And on the left hand there are mountains that are impassable and in front of them according to their estimation there is a sea that is impassable and behind them their adversary that they have been under bondage to is very tight upon their heels let me just stop for a moment and say something Pharaoh had told Israel many times but the last time you all can go on and get out of here take your take your children take your livestock take your people get out of here go serve your God and it seems like there was a holy pause and nothing was happening but it doesn't take too long for the enemy to get back on your track he says go on get out of here you're free go and do your thing but it don't take very long for the enemy to get back on your track and it's whenever the adversary pharaoh is back on their track that the people begin to question Their deliverance. They begin to question this newfound freedom, if you will, that they had being out from under the hand of Pharaoh and the hand of Egypt. And so they start to ponder some questions in their mind because they were afraid of what was presently happening in their life. They were afraid because they felt like they were between a rock and a hard place. They start grumbling, they start complaining, they start crying out to God, crying out to Moses. Were there no graves in Egypt? that you had to bring us out here to die in the wilderness. Folks, there were graves in Egypt. Those pyramids were full of people that were dead inside of those pyramids because they had worked the rigor and the shame and the hardship. There's several people that were dead in Egypt. And they said, though, were there not even enough graves in Egypt that now you brought us out here, you said we're gonna have life and and that we're gonna live and there's gonna be freedom. And you brought us out here to the wilderness to die. Is this, I mean, what type What type of of escape program is this anyway? Someone say amen. And so they begin to wander around with this a little bit more. And they just come to the the, the extent, you know what Moses? I would dare to say, you said this was going to be better. But I would dare to say we would be better off right now being servants to Egypt than we would be dying in the wilderness. Someone say Amen. See, the children of Israel had a very skewed view of their placement and their servitude to Egypt. They had a very skewed view of their servitude to Egypt because they said we had rather work For the Egyptians. We'd rather be servants to the Egyptians. We'd rather the Egyptians be our master and we be their servants than chance dying in the wilderness. Hold on, boys. I want you to know something. You're in the wilderness right now, but the wilderness is just the process and not the destiny. Please don't get all this mixed up. You're just in the wilderness. You're saying you're going to leave us to die here in the wilderness. Don't get mixed up what God is putting you through and where he's taking you to. Don't Someone say amen. You know what they were telling Moses? They just said, did we not tell you before we ever left this? You remember, Moses come. He said, God's going to get you up out of here. When he started sharing all that news with them, it's then that Pharaoh came and made their labor a little harder. He made them start making their bricks and their straw. Bricks the same, the same amount every day, yet without straw. You go get your own straw. And they said, didn't not we say back then, just leave us alone, Moses. Just leave us alone, Moses. Because life is getting a whole lot harder now that we're on the verge of being delivered. Life is getting a whole lot harder now that we're on the verge of being delivered. And so just leave us alone because I think that our journey through the wilderness is going to be certain death. I think our journey through the wilderness, we're going to have a loss of life. I think if we continue in the process, if we continue in the process, we're going to be losing a lot of lives on the way. So we would be better a living servant. We'd be better a living servant than dead over here in the wilderness. But folks, can I tell you, there is something that they kind of missed, and that is this. They were blinded by the fact that as long as they were working for the Egyptians, that they were slaves, and in this station of life, amen. No, 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 no. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. What? Come on. Uh-huh. Servitude and slavery will never change for you. Servitude and slavery will never change for you. This is not the option. This This is not a battle of life or death. We're not looking at a situation, we die in the wilderness or we live in Egypt. No, no, no. Death is going to come either way. Whether in the wilderness or in the promised land or in Egypt, somewhere along the line, you're going to die. This is, not, this is not a matter of being free or being a slave. This is not a matter of being free or being a slave. You are always going to be a slave to something and free from something. Someone hear me today. Someone say amen. The Bible tells me in these words of Scripture, if I can find them here today. Amen. The Bible says this in Romans chapter number 6. Amen. Romans chapter number 6 in verse number 16 this morning. They don't have it up there, but they will. Amen. Romans 6 in verse number 16 states these words. It says, and I I, I read the Scripture here. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants, Ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, ye became, look at it now, the servants of righteousness. So, folks, whether in Egypt or in the wilderness, or in the promised land. This is The point of contention is not being a servant. You're always going to be a servant. The point of contention is not life or death. You're gonna die someday. That's not the point of contention. The point of contention for this message this morning is this. It's who you are a servant to and what you are free from. Because while you're bound to one thing, you're free from another. As long as they were in Egypt, they would be servants to Egypt They would be servants to Egypt and they would be free from the blessing of God, free from the righteousness of God, free from the honor of God. But if they would become servants of God, they were free from sin. They were free from the animosity of their old way and their old life. This is not a life or death situation. I'm not so much a fool this morning to tell you what we're dealing with in this house is a life and death situation because every single one of us in here are going to die. Yes, every single one of us are going to die. I'm not telling you this is the difference between, between being a slave or being free because we're always going to be slaves to something. Someone hear me today. But the problem arises whenever you get in your mind that you think it would be better off being a servant to Egypt than it would be to die in the wilderness Honey, I'd rather be a servant unto God and die in the wilderness any day than be a servant in Egypt and die in Egypt. You get tunnel vision if you're just living for the now. You just have tunnel vision. You're looking at life and death. You're looking at servitude and servanthood, and that's all you're looking about. Amen. But we're all going to die, Sister Peterson. And I've told you before. I'll preach it again. We're all going to resurrect. Because sometimes I think people got this mentality. It's only the church that's going to resurrect. Bunch of baloney. Everybody's going to resurrect. Every individual that dies is going to resurrect. But the difference is this, what John said in John 5. He said some will resurrect into eternal life and others will resurrect into eternal damnation. So it doesn't matter life or death. It doesn't matter that you're a servant. But it matters who you are a servant to. So don't tell me for a moment in this process that God has you in from your bondage to your promise that you're gonna start looking around and say, you know what? It was better when I was living a life of sin. It was better when I was cussing and chewing and smoking and drinking. It was better. Life was a whole lot better then. I'd much rather be a servant there. Honey, you got it all wrong. It's not about death. It's not about servanthood. It's about who's you giving yourself a servant to obey You've missed it, sir. You've missed it, man. If it only comes down to servanthood, it's more than that. It's more than just life and death. It's all about who you belong to when you die. We can go out. You know, we can go out in some of these prestigious graveyards and cemeteries and walk around you know, start walking around, there's some of these known people. Man, there's, there's the Kennedys, or there's, huh? There's this one, there's that one. Huh? Most notably, by and large, unless the family does it differently, the name that's put on the tomb is the family that they become a part of before they die. Huh? Or they were born into it. But for instance, some of these like names of people whose last name is Kennedy, which is by virtue becoming part of the family, had they not been part of the family, the name on their tombstone would have be been otherwise. And so we sing the praises, if you will, I'm just use for example the Kennedy family. And the Kennedy name. And the difference for those that are made a part of that is because it's the one that they became a part of the family of. Didn't matter that they were dead. Didn't matter that they were dead. But it mattered who they belonged to. Who they belonged to. Two, And so here's Moses man shaking his head thinking these guys just don't get it do they? They think that it's all bound up in life or death. That's not where it's at. He said you boys are servants now and you were servants and you're going to die. Don't you get it? It's not an issue over you dying it's an issue over you when you die who you belong to who you're a part of. What family name do you have upon your life? That's what it's all about. That's not going to change the dynamics of everything going on around here right now. That's not going to because if you're a part of Egypt, you're going to have your hardships there. Or if you're a part of God, you're going to have your hardships here. If you're with Egypt, there's going to be some days that you're starving. But if you're a part of God, there's going to be some days we're starving. There's times in Egypt you're not going to have any water. There's time here with God you're not going to have any water. That's not where the matter is. The matter is when you die, who do you belong to? Because that marks destinies for people. Not he that has the most toys wins when he dies. All that don't matter at all. It matters who you belong to. Can someone say, "Amen? amen. Notice there's scripture in Isaiah 36. I'm watching it. Isaiah 36. Again, this just doesn't reason with Moses what he's hearing right now. These folks are blinded. These folks are somehow deterred from what the real purpose and reason and all that's taking place is happening. He speaks this, I think it was to Judah. Judah. Israel had already been in Egypt, brought out of Egypt. And so now the cry is don't return to Egypt. All right? Been there, came out of that, don't return. Look what he says. Will you listen to me today? Look what he says in verse number 1, Isaiah 30. Woe, the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me. That cover with a covering, but not of my spirit. That they may add sin to sin. Listen now. That walk to go down into Egypt. And have asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh. And to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame. And the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. He said for his princes were at Zoan. And his ambassadors came to Hanes. They were all ashamed of the people that could not profit them. Nor be a help or profit, but a shame and also a reproach. The burden of the beasts of the south into the land of trouble and anguish. From whence come the young and old lion, the viper, and the fiery flying serpent. They will carry their riches upon the shoulders of young asses. And their treasures upon the bunches of camels. To a people that shall not profit them. He says, for the Egyptians shall help in vain to no purpose. Therefore have I. My sweat just changed the page. Therefore... Have I, I didn't know it could do that. That's pretty cool. Cry concerning this, their children is to sit still. When Isaiah is saying, we got you out of Egypt way back when. And so now you are in this little crux again. As you were when you were in the wilderness, it would be better for us to be servants in Egypt. And you're going to saddle your donkeys and saddle your camels and put all your worldly goods on the back of them and you're going to grab your children, your wives by hand and you're going to go trotting off back toward Egypt and think that you can have rescue and security under the shadow of Egypt. He says, let me tell you something. You're going to find shame under the shadow of Egypt. Egypt can't help you. Egypt is not going to do any service to you. Egypt's not going to uphold you. Egypt's not going to blow a wind into your sail. Being a servant of Egypt is no I'm crying to somebody that might be sitting in this with this, this assembly today that's been pondering in their mind. You know what, Pastor McGee, it's been a big up-climb hill since I came to God. I think I'll just go back to the world. I had more friends in the world. I had more this in the world. I had greater security in the world. I had more fun in the world. Honey, you are a fool. Listen to this preacher today. You are a fool. Never, never in a thousand years will being a servant to the world or a servant to Egypt be better than being a servant to God. And I don't care if you're suffering right now. You might be a Lazarus that though you suffer in this life when the next life comes you will be comforted. Egypt's not gonna help you. The world's not gonna coddle you. The world's not gonna advantage you. You might as well give it up. It's not life, it's not death, it's not whether or not you're a servant, but it's who you belong to when you die. (laughs) See, this is the threat. This is the common thread that has been sown from the very conception of time. This is the thread that has been sown, that there would be a quaint little family made of a man and a woman by the name of Adam and Eve that was placed in the garden east of Eden. Adam was to dress it and keep it. He had no companion. God brought that companion from his side, from his rib, and gave it unto him, and he said, this is woman. I'll call her Eve. She's the mother of all living, but here's the very same thread that's been woven from the beginning of time when the serpent that is subtile and beguiling Eve came down where that tree... of knowledge and good and evil was he says surely in the day that you eat thereof thou shalt not what? Surely God told them, in the day that you eat the tree you will die." he says thou shalt not surely die now what is taking place here is we're taking this whole this whole mechanics of the very beginning, down, watering it down to a life or death thing. But it's more. Whenever they ate of the tree, they did not literally die in that moment. A process of death started happening in their life. I believe there was a spiritual death that took place in their life. But you know what? They were to go live out their years just like any other person lived out their years. But what it all came down to is whenever they gave their final breath as humanity. Some of you are having a hard time because you think that you're going to die early. Like you can't take what's going on. And you think the way out is to switch horses. <laughs> this isn't about life and death right now. You can remember what the Bible said? Me, John 12. You, you two could be seated. <laughs> but I appreciate it, I really do. John 12, verse number 25. Jesus is speaking here. Why my face so don't turn the page? Jesus is speaking here. He said, he that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world. Do you get that? That little phrase? In this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man, here's the word serve you've not quit being a servant if any man serve me jesus says let him follow me and where i am there shall also my servant be if any man serve me him will my father honor we have that terminology in scripture all through the gospels matthew mark luke and john we have it through the Gospels. The scripture, this, the phraseology of the scripture comes up again. That if a person wishes what? To save their life, they'll lose their life. But if they'll desire, if you will, to lose it for the cause of Christ, then they will save it. Or if you preserve it, you'll lose it. The, 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 the nuances of the words that are used a little bit different. If you seek to find your life, you'll lose your life. But if you'll lose your life, you will find it. Hey, Jesus is saying here, if you love, if you love your life, say you're going to lose your life. And he, though that hate of his life, but what in this world will keep it until your eternal life. And he really brings it down in verse 26. He says, but if you serve me. That's where it's at. It's not life. It's not death. It is being a slave and who you are a slave to. If you are a slave to the world, then you are free from the fringe benefits of God. If you are a slave to the world. You're free from the righteousness, the holiness, the peace, the grace. You're free from all of that of God. But if you are a slave to God, you are free from the wages of sin. Is somebody hearing me? If you, if you are given in, bought into the things that be of God, then you don't have to worry about the confusing, if you will, the, confu- the, the confusion of the world. Someone say amen. And so their time in Egypt had created in a certain essence. Yep, I see it. Essence and irrational people. And irrational people. Dying was the issue. Rather than who they belonged to being the issue. You know... That belonging to the Lord was so important, even to Joseph, that he wanted to make sure. He said that whenever you bury me and you remember me, he says, bury my bones in the land of promise. Because that's where I want to be remembered and associated with the land of promise. So I know I die anywhere, I die anyway. But I want my association to be with the land. I promise. I'm going to keep to my word and not lie if you'll stand. We can just bow our heads here for a moment this morning. I'm talking to someone this morning that's on the line, that's been contemplating, batting back and forth in your mind about this whole church thing, this church stuff. It's going to the house of God and sitting in service and being there for the singing and the preaching on Sundays and Sunday nights. Talking to somebody that that they just have kind of shrugged off to the side, you know what? This has really been no grand difference here. It's really been no great perk or anything by going to church or being in God's house there may be some that have even went to the degree that have received the Holy Ghost so you know what there, there's really been no big difference or change or anything that's been superb that's been any different than my life than before so you know, rather than rather than there be an hour and a half stolen from my day on Wednesdays and when I'd really like to go home and relax and rather than my weekends being abbreviated and all of that, you know, I just think I'll just, just go back to the way that life was before I started going to church and, and before I received the Spirit of God because seemingly even for me, I seem like I've had more heartache now than what I had then, and so there's really no advantage. Mark the words of this preacher. Real well this morning If you're going to try to measure The benefit for serving the Lord Solely on this side of the grave Then you're greatly mistaken In how you're measuring Somebody hear this preacher this morning If you're starting to stack up And do the comparisons On this side of the grave Solely alone And that's it You are going to be gravely mistaken Because you better start taking inventory. Not only what happens on this side of the grave. But what is to happen on the other side of the grave. You hear this pastor today? You're using an incorrect measuring stick. An incorrect measuring stick. If you're only going to measure what happens in this life. You better measure what happens in the afterlife. Hear this preacher. Either way, you die. But who you belong to, that matters. And it'll matter for all eternity. So you better set your eyes in front of you. You better not be casting your eyes over your shoulder and considering Egypt. better fix your eyes on the promise yeah there's days there's not going to be no food or water just wait there'll come some type of provision and there's going to be moments that you just really would not like to wrap your arms around and hug because they're kind of prickly and it's uncomfortable i agree but whenever that mortician takes his fingers and brings your eyes down over your eyeballs It's not going to matter what type of fruit you had in Egypt. It's not going to matter what type of homes you had in Egypt. It's not going to matter what type of quote-unquote fun and pleasure you had in Egypt. But it's going to matter at that moment who you are a servant unto. Because my Bible tells me in Galatians, it says, and even in John, John and Galatians, it says, as long as as a son is a child it differeth nothing from a servant as long as a son and a servant are children and immature growing up there is seemingly no difference seemingly no difference you cannot cannot necessarily tell one apart from the other he says but there's something that happens when there's a moment of maturity (laughs) where something can be endowed to one that the distinction comes that this boy is a servant, this boy is a son because he has a relationship with the father. Now in Galatians the scripture says ye were servants he said but now he's made you sons to be heir of all. (laughs) Let me tell you something. Whenever I, as a servant of the world, if the thing that I was servant to passes on, I don't have anything that I didn't have before. Now, if I'm a servant Mm -hmm. unto God, and this, this is really what it is, and you can read it in John. He basically told them. He said, If you'll be a servant unto Christ, you'll be a son of God. Let me break that down for you. When we talk about being a servant to Christ, I am. I'm going long. Thank you for standing. At least you thought I was in it. Being a servant to Christ is this. Servant obedience. Obedience to Christ. Obedience to the gospel of Christ. Obedience to the pattern of Christ. Death, burial, resurrection. Resurrection. If you'll be a servant unto Christ, he says, I'll make you then a son of God. Because John 1 tells us that it wasn't by blood, not the will of man, but by the will of God. And to us, he gave us power to become what? The sons of God. That makes all the difference whenever it comes to life and death. Because I was a servant to Christ, at death I have an inheritance because that made me a son of God. Bow our heads in this place. These altars are open this morning. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.